Warning, this content contains descriptive events of domestic abuse. And if that's something that could bring up traumatic or overwhelming thoughts for you, you might want to skip this episode. I remember I used to sleep with a, a knife under under my pillow because of my stepdad. Like I was afraid he was going to do something to my mom. And the, the one night that I, I fell asleep, they were screaming. The police came and I like slept through everything. I didn't hear anything like he choked her, like hit himself in the eye with like a Coke can or something like that. My mom ended up going to jail. Things like that would happen all the time. Like I started playing guitar. I got into music because our power was off, you know, like that's kind of what my childhood looked like. It was just constant turmoil. And then you go to school and everybody's happy. They're talking about partying. They're talking about sex. And like, I didn't care about any of that. You know, it's like, I'm just trying to survive. Welcome to Inside the Podcaster Studio, an audio documentary series telling the life story of this generation's greatest storytellers, podcasters. I'm your host, John Fry. So often when we all think of content creators, we think about how they are today, right? Like they're all pristine. They've been presenting themselves for years in front of cameras and microphones. Like they're just not awkward, right? But really, if you think about it, it's the journey that made that voice, right? It's the path they took to becoming who they are that's the voice. And that's what I love so much about the story that we have today with our next guest, Quentin Michael Allums. And it's not Quentin, by the way, it's Quentin, just so you know. <laughs> and you might have seen him online, go by Q, on all the social platforms that he dominates. And to learn how Q found his voice, we need to go back to second grade. I don't know if I've ever talked about that. Most of the time I say like I journaled, started journaling in second grade and people just leave it. I'm trying to think back to like what was going on in my life. I think it's just one of the few things, writing was one of the few things in my life where someone was like, wow, you're good at that. You should lean into that. You should do more of that. So I just, I just started journaling, you know, I, I didn't have the best childhood and there were a lot of things going on that I had to kind of like navigate. And I, I felt like I was alone for a lot of it. I just started writing these stories. In terms of why I started writing them, I, I think it was just, there was a lot of darkness in my past and things going on at home. And I needed an outlet creatively. And that was, that was one of the few things that people told me I should lean into. So he did lean into it. And he had a lot of challenges that were about to come up in his very young life. But one beautiful thing was he found writing as this way to break free, as this way to escape from the reality he was living in. And eventually it would lead to a lot more beautiful things in his life. But for the time being, he had a lot of challenging times ahead. Um, also something I don't really talk about, you know, um, childhood for me like looking back it's like whatever um people have had it worse a lot of the people that i talked to have had it worse um i guess for me my dad left when I was like two weeks old not sure why still probably don't even know why um and since then i've had multiple stepfathers men not necessarily in and out but you know like different male role models in and out I just, I remember 
very specific things from my childhood and everything else is kind of a blur. Um, I remember my mom went to Arizona. I remember we were in a town home and I would, I was outside alone, like playing football by myself, like throwing the football super high, running across to catch it, like touchdown, like, damn, I did it. Like, let's go. Like, I don't know why, but I have that vivid like image in my head. And I remember going back inside and someone was supposed to be watching us, but they weren't watching us. It was my older brother, myself, my little sister, my little brother. And then we were taken away. We were put in this foster home because my mom wasn't there and we weren't of age to be able to watch ourselves, even though there was someone that was supposed to be watching us. Um, my older brother and myself were separated and put in a home. And then my little sister, and my little brother were separated and put in a home. In the home that we were in, like it was fine. They were cool. They were super chill. And then the, the home that my little brother and little sister were put in, like they had water poured over their head. Like they weren't allowed to speak, like beaten. And if they said certain things and we were in there for like a couple of months until our mom was able to get us back. Um, that just, I don't know why, just something vivid that's in my head. Um, for as I got older, you know, like you, you have to grow up fast, not eating, not having certain things in the home. I remember I used to sleep with a, a knife under under my pillow because of my stepdad, like I was afraid he was going to do something to my mom. And the, the one night that I, I fell asleep, like they were screaming, the police came and I like slept through everything. I didn't hear anything like he choked her like hit himself in the in the eye with like a Coke can or something like that. My mom ended up going to jail. Um, things like that would happen all the time. Like I started playing guitar. I got into music because our power is off, you know, like that's kind of what my childhood looked like. It was just constant turmoil. And then you go to school and everybody's happy. They're talking about partying. They're talking about sex. And like, I didn't care about any of that. You know, it's like, I'm just trying to survive. I just, I remember specific points and I'm sure if I tried really hard, I could remember everything, but just specific points, specific pivotal points that stand out to me, um, that kind of shape me, you know? And, and now it's just like, whatever, like whatever happens, it's whatever, you know, I'll handle it. Um, and that's just kind of how I view it. And I'm assuming it's from that. Growing up using these outlets to not only express his emotions, but also gain a better understanding of the world. Q continued to write. Whether it was writing music, journals, or poetry, Q consistently used his innate ability to create, in turn, helping him navigate life's pitfalls. Writing was one of my outlets. Like I had journals on journals on journals. I had to throw them away when I was like 23 because I was moving and I had nowhere to go. But like I was, I was a kid in the back of the corner of the room, you know, like writing poetry, like as a 15, 16 year old kid, like writing poetry, like I was a, I was a loser, <laughs> but for whatever reason, like people like me, I have no idea why, but even with music, like it was the writing of the music that I really loved. It wasn't even really the singing or the performing or how people looked at me. It was the writing and how people responded to what I wrote. So it's always been an outlet. I'd say that's been everything across my life, you know, the, the creating, I think that's where my identity comes from. When COVID happened, I was sitting in the weight room, like just upset, like our business just closed down, like all this stuff in the world's going on. And I'm like, what is wrong with me? I'm so fucking upset. Like what is going on? And I'm just sitting there and it's like, I'm not creating anything. I haven't created anything. And I feel so bad about myself because I'm not giving anything to the world. And that's the one thing that I've always given, like something, like writing something 
putting something out there and I wasn't doing it and I was miserable like that is so heavily attached to my identity and if I don't have it and if I'm not doing it I get very 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 depressed As with most 18-year-olds, when it's time to go off to college, the feeling of liberation and freedom reigned over you, allowing you to have your first taste of the real adult life. This couldn't have been a more accurate description for Q's experience. With his upbringing consistently putting him in tough situations and forcing him to grow up at a young age, going to college for Q not only provided that same feeling of freedom, but it was also the catalyst to help him realize that now he was finally living, not just surviving. It was like I get to breathe, I get to live my my life for the first time. I can actually be a real human being. And I remember those exact thoughts, like I get to be a human being now. Like I, I don't have anything holding me back. When I was going into college, we were actually homeless like a month leading up, so I didn't have like anything i didn't really have any possessions outside of my guitar like my notebooks and things like that i didn't have a room to sleep in like it was it was just me coming to college when i got to college like i started expressing myself in ways that i hadn't before i was still like kind of shy kind of stayed in my room but outside of college i went out and like i played music and i sang on the streets i performed like i i did a lot of things that i never really saw myself doing before because i I didn't really have an identity in high school. Like pre-18, I don't consider that life for me. <laughs> like I was just, I was chilling, you know, and I was just always in survival mode. When I got to college, it was like, this is what I want to do. So college for me was really the first time that I got to see what I was capable and who I really was. Growing up, like I was that shy kid. I was a quiet kid that wrote in his notebooks, that was athletic randomly, you know, that people kind of liked, but he didn't really say anything. And into college, it's like, wow like i kind of like people like i really like seeing how they react to my art i'm good at certain things that i never would have had the opportunity to try because i was always stuck in survival mode so it was me living for the first time okay so for a second i want you to just sit with that the thought of this is me living for the very first time. Like to me, that was really striking and even more powerful. I think a lot of that came from Q's creating, right? His art, his art is really what unlocked himself and him opening up to the world. And at this point, it's beyond just creating it for himself. This is the first time that he's actually putting it out for the world to see and appreciate. So I end up coming out to Cardinal Stritch University because I randomly got a scholarship a year into it they decided that they were going to launch a track program. And I was like, okay, I need money, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this. One of my coaches was like, you should check out this guy named Gary Vaynerchuk, like randomly, because he was just like, you're interested in business. I didn't really even know what the word entrepreneur meant. I just knew that I was interested in a few other things. So I, I go down this rabbit hole and I, I haven't looked back. You know, I started my first business, started my second business, started a third business, but that was really the spark of me creating content and sharing it with people. Because I'd always like wrote stories, I was journaling, I wrote poems, I wrote songs, but I didn't really put it out there until I dove into Gary's stuff. So when Q found Gary, it completely opened up his world to this new type of creating, right? He was used to, you know, making poems and writing songs and that type of art. But for the first time, him creating could actually lead to creating a business. 
But before he could create a big, huge business and hire employees, he had to channel that ability in an entirely new way. So Q started creating content on all social platforms. I mean, like all social platforms. Yeah, I started on YouTube, which I had some experience with because I was a musician um, and I was posting there before. But I, I started the diary on YouTube and I started <laughs> doing like 360 vlogs. I've, they were terrible. On Facebook, I started my Facebook group. I had some success with Snapchat. Instagram, I, I was creating, but nothing really happened. Ask Whale was an interesting one, which was like a question and answer platform. You ask a question, someone answers or vice versa. Um, you had a lot of experts on there. That's where I met John. That's where I met a lot of cool people that are still my friends today, actually. I told you all of them, right? But like many things in business, you have to, you know, try a ton of tests and only one thing works. And after Q's hustle, he found his one thing. And then that's when I kind of moved over to LinkedIn. They didn't even have the video feature yet. Um, they only like people were posting articles, but mostly people were posting like these random line by line stories. Um, and that's where I really started to dive deep into that. And then they released video and that's when I popped off. Before he was able to climb to LinkedIn fame though, he needed to have some kind of revenue, right? Some kind of income. And LinkedIn again came into play here. And by doing that, he found more than just the revenue he was looking for. I was on LinkedIn throughout college, um, but I didn't really focus on it. And then I remember I was like, I was struggling, like no clients, no money, like have to pay rent. And one of the guys that I reached out to on LinkedIn, because this is what I used it for back then only, just reaching out to people and connecting. I was like, yo, I saw you connect freelancers to businesses. I don't know if you need any help, but I would love to help in any capacity. And he was one of the clients that I landed that week. I landed two others and he was a, the highest paying client and he hired me to do a few things. This guy was connected to a guy named Josh Fetcher, which was the guy that was revolutionizing LinkedIn at the time. He was the reason like all of these things were happening, why all these creators were coming to this platform to start writing. Um, and I started like diving heavy into his stuff. And when I'm researching something, like I research something, like I do the things that they're doing. Like I dig into everything that they've ever done. I join the groups, like all of it. So I start doing these things. And then eventually I meet Josh and I walk up to him after this event. And at this event, like you have all these speakers and I'm looking around and like people are like laughing, not paying attention. And then there's me like taking notes with all these speakers. And I'm like, okay, like no one's gonna do anything with this information. He's like giving you the playbook. I walk up to him after and I'm like, dude, like I wanna do something similar. I've followed you for some time. And the first thing he tells me is, unfollow me and for whatever reason like that pissed me off and like motivated me so much in the moment uh, but that was kind of the catalyst it was me being mad man like i i wanted to be on the same level as this guy but it was like it was a big eye-opener for me because i realized that i was never going to beat josh fetcher at being josh fetcher i had to be quentin michael you know i had to be me and i had to do it my way i had to do it my way otherwise it wouldn't matter because i was never going to beat someone else at being that person um, so that was a that was a big moment for me. I actually also very clearly remember the Josh Fetcher times. Like he was literally sharing all the best secrets for all the growth marketers to follow. And I was also obsessed. I was diving into all of his stuff. All my friends in the marketing industry were talking about it. So I was a lot like Q as well, honestly. I wanted to be like Josh. But obviously Q realized that he couldn't be Josh. He was Q. He had to find his own path. But at this point, he's just starting to have some business success, and it won't be the last. 
so Q has obviously come a really long ways, right? He's creating, he's growing on LinkedIn, he's gotten closer to finding his voice, and now he's actually earning money. He's getting income through his company, Mad Genie. But that was his company, like just his, not a team, like just his. And most incredible things aren't built alone, right? So he ended up on this path where he assembled his own Avengers for something much bigger. Second semester, I get a transfer student. And I, I didn't really like this transfer student, to be honest, but he brings in a, a friend one day. And that friend's name was Izzy, and Izzy was also a transfer student. He introduces me to this guy on Instagram. He's like, follow this guy. Um, his name was Optic Legacy. He had a bunch of followers. He took these amazing photos, and I just followed this guy throughout the years. So now, fast forward to 2018, I've got this business, Mad Genie. I'm finally starting to like pick up the pieces of my life. I'm finally getting in clients. Like people are wanting me to speak around the world. My life has taken a complete 180. Then I meet this guy on Twitter, Eric Didier. He records a video every day for like 90 days straight. I'm like, that's impressive. Do you want to start a YouTube channel? We do. And then I'm like, that's not enough. Do you want to start a business? We had no idea what this business was going to be, but he's like, yeah, let's do it. And he pitches me this idea, and it was basically what I had envisioned for what would later become Urban Misadventures with some differences. So I, I join it, and I'm like, yeah, sure, like I'll, I'll help out, but I'm not going to focus on this over my new company. And Brema was in that group, and Brema was Optic Legacy, this guy that Izzy introduced me to later down the road. Um, around the same time, Izzy reaches out to me and he's like, yo, like I'm not happy, I hate what I'm doing, like this is going on, I just took this dead-end job, I quit my job, and I'm like, okay, and I just, I'm keeping these things in my head. Um, me and Dids like map out this company idea, which basically was a traveling content show. That was our idea. We we're going to get sponsors <laughs> for it. <laughs> Terrible business model, by the way. <laughs> uh, but. I hire Brema to do a job for Mad Genie, it was good, and then I hire Brema to do a job for me and Dids, basically just shooting our intro video. He's like, I really like what you're doing, I have no idea what it actually is, but I want to be a part of it. <laughs> they have the infinity glove, they just need one last stone. So Brema becomes a part of our group, we start Urban Misadventures, I approach Izzy, hey, you have all the skill sets that we need everything we're needing right now, do you want to do this with us? And to this day, I have no idea why they decided to jump and do this with me, but they did. And like that is the thing that I'm still to this day most proud of. Now, at this point in time, this is actually where I couldn't stop watching Q's journey. I would you know, see his LinkedIn posts. I would see his team's LinkedIn posts and I watched them go from not having an office to having this beautiful office and eventually finding a ton of success, getting a bunch of clients and growing and speaking all over the world. And kind of like how Q was trying to become Josh, I became Q and he became my Josh Fetcher in a way. You know, I watched them grow. And sometimes that's the end, right? Like they start the company, they get it going, they catch this momentum and the momentum keeps going, right? That's the end. But the thing is, sometimes that's not the end. I remember when I was first starting my first company, and I was like going through a really rough patch with the girl that I was dating at the time. And um, I remember giving her my phone because hers broke and she gave me the phone back and I was just looking through something, which I clearly I didn't trust her because I was looking <laughs> through messages, uh, but I was looking at something and she was talking to a friend and basically they were like making fun of me for starting this company. Um, like, why would he do that if he's doing a job? You know, why would he quit his job? Which all rightful question. Like, why, why would I jump and 
start this company when I have no income. Like I, I get it now, but back then I was like, wow, like no one believes in me. No one cares. No one trusts me. Fuck everybody. And I had this chip on my shoulder for a long time. And I wanted to prove to everybody because I was against everybody. Like it was me against the world. I wanted to prove to everybody that I could do this. And I was someone that was knowledgeable. I was, I was going to hustle. I was going to outwork everybody, every single person. And I was going to build this huge company that people were wanted to work for, you know, and as time went on and I struggled and I failed and eventually found more success. Like some people would reach out to me that were making fun of me like a year or two ago, like, Hey, I would love to work with your company or Hey, like, where can I apply? And it felt good in the moment. It's like, cause I'm, I'm a spiteful fucker, <laughs> but eventually I'm like, like that mattered for like two seconds. I just yeah. spent two years focused on hate for like two seconds of validation. And it's like, no, like none of that to me mattered. And it's like, what would I actually get from having this company? And it's not a knock on anyone that does have a large company, but I'm a creator, you know, and maybe one day, one time in my life, like that is something that I want to do. But I actually got very bogged down by all these problems, like constant fires that you have to put out when you're building something, um, having to like know your employees on a level that you don't even know some of your friends, understanding how they work, understanding why they work that way, understanding what they need, firing those people when needed. Like those were things that weighed heavy on me, you know? So if you're listening to this, you've probably love creating right but there's some things that are beyond our career beyond money beyond any accolades we could get even beyond just being able to create what you love and that is love love for people love for people that means so much to us that if we lost them it would completely change our life my little brother passed away four months ago and I've just changed significantly since that happened as most people do, most people should, most people would. Um, but I've, I've been obsessed with this state that we, we go into after grief, you know, because it's not, just, it's not just anger, it's not just sadness, it's not just frustration, it's, it's like a mix of all those things, but it, there's also beauty in, in that pain, you know, there's also discovery in that pain. And I'm lucky enough to be my own boss. I'm lucky enough to have a team that can pick up, this, pick up like the slack and take care of me in moments like that. Um, but I honestly didn't know that when someone goes through a loss like that, they only get three to five to maybe seven days off, you know, and that, like that's a big change. And I can't imagine having to go right away back to work after a big, big loss like that. And I've just been obsessed with like this state that we go into because there's been so much change in my life. Like I'm, I'm happier sounds weird, but honestly, I'm happier, you know, I'm more passionate about everything. Um, every single thing that I do, I'm more passionate about, you know, I'm, I'm more cognizant of other people's feelings. And um, I think a lot of us, like we're forced to jump back into work, forced to jump back into who we used to be because, yo, I've got to go back to the job because I'm not going to get paid. I've got to go do this. And people don't have to time to actually explore. Um, and I, I just want to dig more into that state of change, into that that mindset that a lot of people go into after after grief. I don't know what that looks like. I don't, I don't know what that actually is. Um, I just know my own experience. Just the whole world just looks so different to me. And it, it still does today, man. It's just, 
it looks so beautiful compared to what it looked like the day before, but also just so much uglier, you know, like just, it looked different, I think is the best way to put it. I walk in and I'm looking and I, I notice everything, like the people like on their computer, like the barista and the barista clearly was not happy to be there. And they ask me how I'm doing and I say, good, you know, after everything that just happened, I ask them and they say, good. And it's like, we go through our entire lives with all these things going on and all we ever do is say, good. Like we never talk to people, we never open up. And I was like, what is wrong with me? Just everything started to look different. The company that I was building, the people around me, my employees, like I started to have so much empathy and compassion for everybody. But also like just, it seemed like everything that I had done before was like black and white. It's like, I, I didn't actually have vision. I didn't actually have skills yet. And it was like for the first time in my life, even though it was shit, I was seeing everything in color for the first time. It's changed everything. I thought, I thought that I was, uh, I thought that I was innovative. I thought that I was doing something different. And I realized that I was just playing the same game that everybody else was playing. I was doing the same thing that everybody else was doing. And in my head, it was like, no, like, I don't care about social media likes. I'm posting because I care about it. But no, I actually did care. I, I did want to do the things that everybody else talks about. You know, I was feeding into the same system. I was building a company that I didn't like. I wasn't doing something that I was passionate about. I was creating content because it was, there was ROI, not because I actually wanted to create content. Like I wasn't, I was playing the same game, you know? And it wasn't until that happened that I was like, I started asking myself questions. And it, it's not like all of my life I was doing that because the first, the first stages of building those businesses, I was doing it because I wanted to, but it became the same game that everybody else was playing. And I don't think there's much value in playing someone else's game. You know, I always want to be that person that's creating his own rules. And it wasn't until that happened that I, I started to see the threads that were being pulled and what was happening and why people were doing certain things. Now, this was obviously a major change for Q, right? It's, it's something that honestly, it's hard to even put words to something that strong and eventually he did get back to work at urban misfit ventures but obviously things were different q's brother passed away in october of 2019 and while q was still processing that the momentum of urban misfit ventures kept growing the company was still succeeding and he came back to work with a new mindset but unfortunately another major event was around the corner Something that wouldn't just impact Q or even his team, it would impact the lives of everyone around the world. Now to growing concerns about the deadly coronavirus officially hitting the U.S. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. New stay-at-home orders imposed in France, Poland, and Italy as the World Health Organization. What did it feel like having to shut down Urban Misfit Ventures after COVID hit? Yeah, it was, it was bittersweet, man. Um, initially, it was like, wow, I feel so good. This is great. Mm. I can finally be myself. And then I went through this like stage of grief. You know, it's like so angry, so lost. Who am I now? Like, damn, I've been an entrepreneur full time for five years. Like, who am I now? What value do I have to bring to the world? And I struggled a lot in that moment when I just felt like I was nobody because the whole world knew me, at least my world, I thought knew me as an entrepreneur and I didn't know what I was anymore. And then now like 
I'm very thankful for everything that we did, but I'm also very thankful that I'm not doing it anymore. Because even if it, everything went well and we sold it like we had planned to, like I just I don't think that I would be the person that I would need to be in order to achieve the things that I want to achieve. Because I would have gone the route that most people go, and that's not the route that's going to lead me to what I need to do. Um, because I'm not trying to do what everybody else is trying to do, you know. What did it feel like having to shut down Urban Misfit Ventures after COVID hit? I was actually sitting and playing video games most most hours of the day and listening to podcasts and watching Twitch streams because I love video games and esports and just listening to myself. Um, and I've come to the realization that I've been so attached to this idea of being an entrepreneur and it really doesn't matter. It's just a label. Um, so I, I do want to get a job because what's important to me is growth. So I've actually I've accepted a creative director role and I'm I want to do something as well in esports, and then I really want to focus on my artists, but I want to push myself to grow because that's what's always been important to me. Um, but in that time, I was just listening. Like, what do I actually want to do? And I, I want to be someone that's so valuable, someone that's so good at what he does. It doesn't matter what he's doing. There's always going to be people that are listening because he's so good. Um, and I'm not that person yet. I don't have that skill set yet. I'm not there yet, but that's what I want to do. Um, what that looks like now is the path that I'm taking. What that looks like five years from now, I don't know. Like maybe I'll have another business. Like I know I'm capable of building it. I just, I don't know if that's what I want to do. Um, but it was just me listening, man. Me having grace because losing a business, that that is a loss, that's grief. Um, and yeah. I had to go through that grief in order to get to where I'm at now. And I, I think I'm still kind of dealing with it. I'm just at the tail end of it. When we talked about grief, Q provides this really incredible explanation that really kind of shows the last few months of his career with all of these you know catalysts for change q found a new path for himself like he did in his past he found a new way to persevere and and even thrive and viewing the world from this you know completely new lens he luckily allowed himself the grace to just sit back and listen to himself yeah i think you you have to listen I think it's different for everybody. Um, for me, like again, human beings, like adults, one of the only ways that they learn is through pain. And grief is one of the most painful things. So clearly you're going to learn a lot. You're going to grow a lot. You're going to change a lot. I feel like I'm a complete 180 to who I was. Like I wanted very, very different things to what I want now. And I see the world in a very different way than I saw it then. Um, so just grief in general, like I, I think it's something that everybody will go through, but I think you have to listen to yourself and to what you need um, and to give yourself grace. I just, I wish that people didn't have to thank me for listening to them when they're grieving. Mm. Um, I, I wish that our world wasn't that way. I wish that it was just normal because it is something that everybody goes through, especially right now with where our world's at. Like I just, yeah, I don't know. Grief, grief is a very very powerful thing and the more people i talk to you know it's either like it consumes them or they end up creating the most beautiful thing that they've ever created in their life through that process there's a lot of people that don't give themselves this period of grace right and honestly i'm really proud of him for doing that because personally my natural instinct is to get back to it you know like i don't want to waste a moment I want to keep charging towards what I'm building. And oftentimes that ambition can backfire because from my perspective for Q, this was the most productive thing he could have done. You stop, you enjoy life, and you, you listen to where your interests and your heart and your passions are taking you. Because imagine if he had 
you know, got right back to something else, and that was the wrong direction. He gave himself the time to find the right way. And when he did finally get back to creating again, he had a pretty fun inspiration. Yeah, one of my favorite quotes is, things are the way that they are only because enough people agree that they're that way. And that's a that's a quote from a book that I read in sixth grade called Trader. Um, it stuck with me since that day. And I think with podcasting, because I've had podcasts before. Um, I've had a gaming podcast, an esports podcast, and just like a overall business podcast. I was viewing podcasting the way that most people view podcasting in the space that I was in. You know, like you talk to someone, it's a certain amount of time, and that's it. And with all the skills that I had and with all the worlds that I've stepped into with the businesses that I've built and with where I want to go, creating these worlds and images in people's heads, you know, like because I was listening and just seeing what was out there and seeing what other people were doing, I was able to see very clearly what I wanted to create, very clearly what that would allow me to do. Um, and I, I think that's it, man. But I think now, like, it was just me opening up what I thought a podcast was or what I thought a podcast could be or what I thought audio could be um, just because I I was choosing not to subscribe to that belief that everybody else or most people were subscribed to. So Q got back to work. He started exploring everything there was to podcasting, but not just like your everyday average podcast, something totally different. And when I'm researching something, like I research something, like I do the things that they're doing, like I dig into everything that they've ever done. There are a lot of good shows out there that aren't just interview, right? Like there's there's narrative based. There's like um, I don't I still don't know why people are into horror shows so much, but like <laughs> there are a lot of uh, there are a lot of different types of podcasts and a lot of people that do it significantly better than I do. I think the major like the main thing that I took away from my research period was how we approach audio. And again, I was a singer songwriter for like seven, eight years, you know, and it's like, hey, like most people like have a series that continues forever. Like just there's no limit, like just go like here and they just have an interview show that goes on forever and forever and forever. And there's no real mission behind it. And granted, my show, I want to continue for a long time, but it's my way of becoming a better storyteller. But the way that I want to approach audio now is I want to create worlds in people's heads. I want to help. I want to co-create with my listeners. So how can I create these worlds? How can I create these images? And for me, I want people to go back and consume a podcast like they go back and consume a song. We listen to songs over and over. Like I like there are days where I put a playlist of two songs and I just listen to it on repeat on repeat because I, I love music and I love dissecting these things and it's fun to me. I want people to do that with a podcast. And why is it that we have artists, let's say John Bellion, who uh, one of his songs is Stupid Deep, uh, which people ask me if it was inspired by that, which it wasn't, but I do love John Bellion. Um, one of his songs is Stupid Deep. If you look at his first album, it tells a story and each individual song tells a story. If you look at his third album, same thing podcasters most of us don't have that most of us don't have that at all so i want to yes i want to have a show but i also want these limited audio series these albums that people can go back and consume to see where i was at in my life so q put in the work to make this happen and funnily enough we actually launched our shows within days of each other fate i guess and after he spent months researching and then getting guests and literally dozens of hours per episode editing it he was finally ready, and he launched his podcast, Stupid Deep, on November 19th, 2020. 
it's wild seeing some of the messages like i didn't expect like the just the organic um reach and the shares and people like sharing without me even asking them to um and it's incredible to see like hey like i took this away from the episode when it's like i didn't intend that at all i have no idea how that connects but like dope bro like like dope like there's a lot of that you know and it's cool because this was 1000% just a passion project for me and it's it always will be it's just i want to create art and i want to tell stories and i want to be a master storyteller this is the avenue that i'm using and I, I don't want to change that and I it would be very easy for me to approach this like a business and there are certain aspects where I am approaching it like a business like the partnerships and things like that but I want to stay away from that as as long as I can because I think it's a creative that is going to push this thing over the top it's a creative that's going to make it successful um, and I think especially in this space there are so many people that are in it just because there's opportunity there's so many people in it just because there might be ROI for them and they're not enough people in it just because they love the subject or they love what they're doing or they love the medium um and i i want more of those people to get listens um because they deserve it you know and i i don't want people to lean in just because they see people succeeding just because they had a good title or because like they poured a lot of money into ads like i want the passion to be there because that's what happens in music that is what i want to see and that's what i want to lean into because i think that will make me more successful in the long run versus just capitalizing on a medium because it it happened to be there and there aren't a lot of people in it yet so one of the most powerful things that struck me as i was preparing for this interview is that you know back in second grade in the beginning of your journey you started journaling and that was kind of the the catalyst or the spark for you to keep creating and creating different ways and the podcast that you put out with Stupid Deep to me is an audio journal. Like it's almost a return from when you were a kid. And I'm curious if you could talk with your childhood self who, you know, had just started these written journals. And now you have these audio journals. What do you think he would say? Like, what do you think he would feel about what you've become? Yeah, I think he would think... Uh... Things are the way that they are only because enough people have agreed that they were that way, you know? <laughs> I think he'd be excited that he can create whatever he wanted to create. You know, the people that said, if you're going to be a writer, you have to be an English teacher. Like, if you're going to be a writer, you're not going to make a lot of money. Like, he was able to create something with the skills that he was interested in. And I think he'd, I think he would be excited. Um, that or he'd be happy because he wasn't a, an NBA star, but, <laughs> but I, I'd like to think that he'd be excited. The show is edited by John Fry and Luke Himmelsbach. Narrations were written by Luke Himmelsbach and John Fry. The sound design was done by Ian Devitt and Travis Lofman. Scoring also done by Ian Devitt and Travis Lofman. If you like this show and what you heard, please leave us a five-star review and tell your friends. We're not making any money on this show, so your support would really help. I'm your host, John Fry, and I'll see you next time.